When I was younger, I was following a prescriptive path. You know, originally went into marketing because it was a surefire way to have a stable career. And I found my way. But what I would tell myself at a young age is take note of what you're passionate about, where you're the happiest, where you feel the most free, and start to track those things at an early age. And you can just continue to follow that little path of twinkle lights through your career. And I think it leads to a place of, of most fulfillment. That's Maddie Pryor, founder and CEO of Rogue Agency. Rogue is a creative agency focused on building unique, narrative-driven campaigns that highlight what makes your brand extraordinary. With content creation, events, and community building, Rogue pushes the limits of what marketing can do. In this episode, we talk about protecting your team, interacting with a global audience, and finding the place in the world where you feel the most free. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. With founders, it's kind of like having an itch that you have to scratch. And it doesn't start as an adult. It starts when you're a kid. So when you think back, when was the first time you knew that you wanted to do something on your own? I'm not sure as a young child that I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I don't think I even had the language for that at the time, but I was very precocious, charismatic, outspoken, rebellious at times, and I was really always paving my own way. There's actually a photo that comes to mind that my mom showed me recently, and it's of, I had two siblings, so it's all three of us running towards a fountain that we definitely weren't supposed to jump in. And the photo is me climbing up on the edge of the fountain and about to jump in. And (laughs) I feel like that is so indicative of who I was as a kid and who I still am now, like forging ahead, definitely the leader of the pack and sometimes doing the thing I wasn't supposed to do. And I think it's that mentality, that sort of rebellious rule breaker that also wanted to start her own company. Now, would you call that bravery or courage or nature and you couldn't help it? I think it's definitely nature. I think bravery and courage include the the acceptance of fear, right? So in order to be brave and in order to be courageous, you also have to accept risk. And you have to have some healthy understanding of fear in order to be brave. Otherwise, you're just being brash. And so I think that acceptance of fear and acknowledgement of risk was part of who I was. And I think over time, it became braver because I could have a better understanding of the risk involved. And so by the time I did start my business, it did feel like it required some bravery. That leap of faith was definitely a courageous act. If I look back at the you know span of my life, that was definitely one of my more courageous acts. So nature and then learning the respect for risk and acknowledgement of fear and accepting that. Sometimes it's hard for people to admit that they're afraid or They think if they show their fear or express it, people will think that they're less. There's definitely a chapter of my life where 
vulnerability, especially around fear, felt like weakness. And I was really convinced that the best way to lead, the best way to be seen in the world was to be confident all the time. And as I've gotten to better understand myself, but also human nature generally, I've found that not only does being vulnerable about your fears feel good, it just feels better to be honest and transparent, but I've also found that the people around you are then given permission to also voice their fears. And once we voice our fears, they have a lot less power. They have a lot less control over our lives. And it almost takes the big scary sting away from the fear by simply voicing it. And I think it is hard to make that leap when we are afraid or we've we've made a mistake everyone's insecure to a certain extent and to be able to be open and honest is so good because nothing then is quite as scary what are some of the biggest challenges you faced in the business what are some of the things that just you had no idea you were getting into the responsibility that i hadn't taken that i needed to take in those early stages was understanding that there's some amount of caretaking that needs to happen when you're leading a team like that and there's also protection that needs to happen protecting your team from the agitated client protecting your team when they make a mistake there's an amount of ownership that as a team lead that you need to accept in order to make sure those on your team feel well taken care of. The acceptance of that responsibility was a challenge in the beginning because I just didn't see it. And so I would have team members who were feeling disgruntled or unseen or they needed something from me that they weren't getting. And it caused friction in those early days simply because there was a responsibility that I had yet to accept. Then talk about the other side, the freedom of being able to determine the creativity or the path or the um, design, so to speak, of the business. What was that like? That was the brilliance of it. That was the thing that made me realize that I will always be an entrepreneur from here on out, is the freedom to really craft my own company structure, my own client roster, my own culture, the way that we interact with one another. It was so liberating and empowering to be able to construct the company of my dreams. And I realized that there were a lot of things that I had seen in my previous agency experience that I wanted to rewrite. The traditional agency structure included some things that I was ready to let go of. And so that exercise of just crafting this entity from scratch, but also based on past experience, was the ultimate creative project. I say often, I'm my own favorite client because I get to reinvent my business all the time in terms of the business model, in terms of the branding, we're, you know, we're rebranding every couple of years just because it's the most freeing and exhilarating creative project to be able to reinvent yourself in that way. Now, when you talk about what you learned from working in a traditional model, what were some of the things that you cracked out of when you first started? 
The traditional model can mean many things. I worked at a teeny tiny boutique agency, and then I worked at a much bigger organization that was, you know, kind of like multiple departments, multiple levels, very corporate. And then I worked at an agency that was kind of in the middle. And that's the agency in which I was really getting groomed to be partner. Through that experience and the diversity experience, I learned what was out there. I learned, you know, how the hierarchy has traditionally been built and what client relationships look like traditionally. I think the first thing that I broke out of was this adversarial relationship that sometimes exists between clients and their agencies. Because you've got two entities, both really focused on the bottom line. And that can get quite contentious. My belief and kind of the whole reason that I started Rogue was under this assumption that when you're working with purpose-driven brands, individuals, organizations, and you've got a team that is inherently purpose-driven themselves, everyone all of a sudden becomes pointed towards the same goal. Right now we're working heavily in the mental health space and our team cares deeply about mental health initiatives. Obviously our client who's steeped in the space does too. And so it's been really encouraging to see you can really dissolve that contention when there's a bigger, higher purpose at play. So then now what you're doing is focusing on folks that are helping other people in a whole different way. Tell us about that. About a year ago, we started working with a very well-known therapist who has a large audience. She has over a million followers on Instagram. Esther Perel, who is just a fascinating woman, someone that I was really a fan of before we ever started working with her. So as we've been focusing on her business, we've seen and observed and also researched how much this market of coaches and educators, you know, mental health professionals of various kinds are pivoting also to establish their businesses online. And so it's been a beautiful thing to pivot into that space and be a marketing team that can then support the promotion of these educational products. And again, mission-driven, which is one of the top characteristics of most founders is that there's something that is propelling you. Now, when you think back to the best advice you ever got from somebody, what comes to the top of your head? I had a boss back in 2014, maybe, who I was pitching alongside. So I was getting kind of brought up in the agency. I was getting a very client-facing role. And oftentimes I would be in the meetings with my two bosses pitching, pitching to a potential new client. And it was very nerve-wracking. It was the first time that I was doing that type of strategic pitching or proposal driving. And my nerves showed. (laughs) I was very clammy and anxious and tense. And when I get anxious, I talk more. I mean, my motor mouth just like runs. And so I got some feedback from a boss that basically invited me to slow down and relax And he sent me several paragraphs on, here's what I'm witnessing you doing in meetings. Here's what I suggest that you do instead. 
This is not a commentary on how you're performing. It's just some advice around style. And when I read it, I took I took it very personally and I slept on it. I woke up the next day and it really landed. And so I, I did well by not responding until I was calm. And I ended up responding and thanking him. And that made all the difference. Just that deep breath to, to recenter and to speak less. When you're feeling out of balance, just listen more. Put your attention outward on the potential new client, on your coworkers, ask questions, get curious. When you can bring the attention out of yourself and put it on the other person who you're really serving, made a huge difference. do you have to that person out there who's listening? Two things. One, get curious, especially at that age and in that chapter of life. Take note of what excites you, what lights you up. Where does your interest take you? I know when I was younger, I was following a prescriptive path. You know, originally went into marketing because it was a surefire way to have a stable career. And I found my way. But what I would tell myself at a young age is take note of what you're passionate about, where you're the happiest, where you feel the most free, and start to track those things at an early age. And you can just continue to follow that little path of twinkle lights through your career. And I think it leads to a place of of most fulfillment. And the second piece is surround yourself with people who believe in you. (laughs) I would never have started this business if I did not have friends around me that were telling me that I was capable, that were excited for me, that when I launched made a big deal. (laughs) And when I was feeling insecure, because everyone who is pursuing this feels insecure at some points, feels incapable at some moments, Having those people around me to be my mirrors and reflect back to me got me through that, kept me from quitting, kept me from throwing in the towel or shrinking away from a challenge. And it, it again, it made all the difference. Where are you with Gen Z? Working in the social media space has brought Gen Z up to the forefront of our thinking, both in terms of how we craft content on behalf of our clients, but also how we work and operate and think internally. And one of the trappings of traditional marketing agencies that we wanted to move away from was this hierarchical structure that sort of favored seniority, favored title, favored your position, gives you the most share of voice in a meeting or in the company in general. And so I think the way that we interact with Gen Z internally and just our, our younger team members in general is we really do value every voice in the room. And there are specific areas of the business that require the voice of Gen Z to actually lead the conversation because we're not knowledgeable on that space in the same way that they are. And so that's part of the structure of Rogue is to ensure that all voices are getting noted and that are getting airtime, client-facing and internally. 
And then I think as a marketing team, we also have to think externally, right? We're crafting messages for the outside world. And same goes there. Gen Z operates very differently than the generations before them. And so once again, looking to our internal Gen Z team members and saying, hey, can you gut check these messages? Do these feel relevant? Do they feel appropriate? Do they feel considerate of the broader ecosystem? Are we thinking about marginalized communities as we write this? So there are implications of diversity, equity, and inclusion that happen both internally and externally. When you think about Gen Z, any advice on how to best communicate? So it really is an interactive collaborative and intelligent conversation? The best policy is listening. Go straight to the source and listen. And that can look like many different strategies. You can, first of all, do your research, right? You start to understand them better simply by what they're posting online. But how we approach is we bring Gen Z team members into the room, whether they're our interns or they're our social media managers, or we simply, you know, access them based on projects. We're ensuring that we've got young folks in the mix in our company structure so that we can bring their perspectives to the table. And we'll have a variety of team members share not only their perspective on the given project, but also give us context on why they feel that way. Why do you feel that this is the best creative approach? Or what are you seeing out in the world that impacts what our message should be? And that way, we're not only getting someone's opinion, but we're also getting a Gen Z perspective on what's going on in the world, which obviously shapes our thinking, shapes how we speak publicly and shapes how we contextualize some of these different marketing messages. Because as a young person, which I once was (laughs) at one point, I felt completely neglected and silenced and irrelevant in the company structures that I worked in, especially in the beginning. I felt like an underling and thus I performed like an underling and I didn't put my heart and soul into the job that I was doing because I wasn't being recognized in that way. And had I been, I think I would have felt not only more empowered to be a participant, but I would have been more creative. I would have been more involved and I would have brought more to the table. And so I think about Gen Z in the same way, and they're even more adept and more worldly and have a wider point of reference when they think about the world than than I did at that age. Of course, they have something to add. That was Maddie Pryor, founder and CEO of Rogue Agency. Rogue is a dedicated team of digital strategists that work to connect the dots between data and human intuition. They engage communities with integrated campaigns, storytelling, and experiential marketing. For more information, visit rogueagency.co. I'm Maureen Taylor. Thanks for listening. Series producer is Mike Sullivan. Sound design by Mark Reed. Content and scripting by Jacelyn Drown and Catherine Hardy. Production coordinator is Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena Persiani-Shell. 
John Hughes, and Ren Barak.